This is the Commerce Church of the Nazarene podcast. Thank you for joining with us in our pursuit to love God and love others. This episode is a sermon from our journey through the gospel according to Matthew. Listen along every Sunday or join us on Facebook at 1045 a.m. Eastern Time. Now, here's the sermon. Well, good morning again. I want to thank everyone who has helped with all these services as we've been doing them online. We couldn't have done them without you. I just love having other people participate. Uh, even Pastor Sally praying over us today, uh, or, or various people reading scripture for us, uh, and even the worship team, they've been doing a great job helping us uh, worship together, even though we aren't together. Uh, it's such a blessing. Uh, speaking of blessing, we'll be talking about that today. <laughs> but, um, you know, throughout this service, we've been wanting you to think about this idea of being upside down right? It looking one way, but really being something different. I, I love that Gideon story. It, it's just so backwards, right? This is the first time in history where Israel had a fighting chance and God says, no, <laughs> I, I, I need you to realize who's really pulling you through all of this. And he flips it upside down and, and it's just this bizarre story uh, and at first glance, you're like, why in the world? Uh, but when you really dive into it, it's showing us God isn't about the things that this world is about. And uh, no wonder we find that here in the Sermon on the Mount. Or even Matt's, uh, Matt's fireball experiment at the beginning. Theoretically, he wasn't supposed to get burned. I'm not sure. Uh, I haven't heard from him since then. So we'll see. But... Uh, this this chemical that he put on the on the ball that um, made it so that the fire burns uh, at a lower temperature and therefore not burn him, which is bizarre, right? That that you could do something like that because fire, I mean, the moment you hold it in your hand, it's burning you. Uh, but he was able to to toss it around and hold it, uh, and it's this these moments that we come across that at first glance. You're like, that doesn't make sense. But as you unfold it, man, you realize this is how it was supposed to be. And I've been thinking about it upside down. And, and that's what we find here in the Sermon on the Mount. And if you haven't been with us uh, before the online services, we've been walking through Matthew. And we started at the beginning of the year and we've just been journeying through uh, what is Matthew uh, all about how is he portraying this Jesus um, and what does that mean for us and so we've been journeying and um, I encourage you uh, read all of Matthew together and you'll see this this movement that Je that Jesus is is pushing towards something and we get to journey on with that uh, so as we jump into the Sermon on the Mount uh, Natalie read the the first part of this and it's the Beatitudes. And maybe that, that phrase is familiar to you. It's really just a Latin phrase that means blessed. Uh, and no wonder, because we find nine different blessings right off the bat at the beginning of the sermon. You know, and I think a lot of times with this, we, we treat the Sermon on the Mount as this good way to live. You know, Jesus was a great teacher, and these are some good ethical ways to live. 
But when we do that, I think we miss what Jesus was really getting at. You see, this isn't a list of how you should behave. You know, it's not this thing of, hey, if you try harder, you're going to get a reward. If you try hard enough, these blessings will be on your life. I, what he's saying here at the beginning is if you are already here, if you already are these things, then you have cause to celebrate because blessing is a part of your life already, which is great. But then you start to look at this list and you're like, what? Because mourners are on here, right? How often have you seen people who mourn who don't get comforted? Or the meek. When was the last time you were used that word? But these unimportant people, it says that they're going to inherit the earth. Well, don't we know that the powerful inherit the earth? Not the, not the unimportant. It's the important people who do that, right? Or these people who, oh, they ache for righteousness. They look out and they seek justice. How often do we see people who go to the grave longing for justice and never get it? So we're left sitting, scratching our heads, and it just seems like it's upside down. Come on, Jesus, what are you talking about? Well, welcome to Jesus and, and what he does so often, right? I think of uh, the Sermon on the Mount as this pool. Um, you know, you, you, you dip into the pool, you're in the shallow end, uh, the water's kind of at a good level, you're okay with everything. You start to look at it a little bit more and all of a sudden the water's rising, water's rising until all of a sudden you're in the deep end and you're waiting in the, in the deep end, you know, and, um, and it's just this, this wealth of, of what Jesus is really, really getting at here. And what is he getting at? Well, it's not good advice, but it's what he talked about in chapter four, the good news. And what is the good news? That the kingdom of heaven is here. And this sermon is what he's speaking out. Hey, if the kingdom of heaven is here, this is what it looks like. And so we jump in, jump into the deep end, right? As we figure out, hey, we've been setting up our own kingdoms of ways that we live our own lives. All of a sudden, the kingdom of God is showing up and it's flipping everything upside down. And so when we read the Sermon on the Mount, when we jump into even just the, the Beatitudes at the beginning, I want you to, to step back a little bit. And I want it to just hit you like it hit them years and years ago. This powerful message of what it looks like for the kingdom of God to be here. So let's do it. Let's jump in. I, I first I want to I want to look at this word blessed. Um, you know, I, I when we use that word, a lot of times it's this this give and take word, right? If I put this in, I get this out. If I scratch your back, you scratch mine, right? And so we look at God that way, right? God, what can you do for me? I'll do this if you do this, right? And it's this kind of give and take thing but what happens with that is all of a sudden it's hey god you're not doing much for me so 
hey, I'm not going to do much for you, right? It's this this scale system that we're, we're working in, and it's this constant pull. And I think about that, and I think about, hey, if my... What would it look like if my marriage was blessed? Well, it wouldn't be this, oh, I have to I have to do this so that I get this from her, or I have to do this so that, that this happens, you know? It's, oh, I long to, to do things for my wife so that she feels like this, this love from me and this, this sense of, of rightness in the relationship, right? That's that's what I'm seeking after. You see, it's not so much about the content, but it's about this this right relationship that's happening. That's when that's when I feel like my marriage is blessed is when things are coming together and they're meshing and it's this this right way to go about it. See, but but oftentimes what happens, and oftentimes in broken marriages, what happens is, is it's just this list of things that you need to do so that I get this back and forth, back and forth. And when we look at, at blessed in the Bible, then sometimes we, we project that onto it. But look at these moments where, where this is used, because Jesus isn't the first one to use these. In Psalm 1, the first psalm that we have, what does it start off with? Blessed is the one, right? And then it talks about who, who doesn't walk with the wicked, who doesn't have them as their role models, uh, but instead they embody who God is, and they dwell on him day and night. And, and, and amazing things happen because of that. But it isn't this, hey, I'm going to do this so I get this. It's this, oh, I'm going to I'm going to devour God day and night because it's just it's it's what is right. That's what's going to bring this relationship between me and God into this connectedness, right? And that's what's so so powerful about the blessing that's happening there. Another spot, Deuteronomy 28. And, and where we find this passage is, is the Israelites. They were enslaved in Egypt in the Exodus, right? And God rescues them, takes them through the waters of the Red Sea and into the wilderness. Uh, and now they're at the border of the promised land, the, the land that had been promised to them. And, and God lays out this covenant. And, and Deuteronomy 28 is this list of, of saying, Hey, if you do what I've instructed you, you will be blessed. And it lays all these things out. And then it says, if you don't do it, though, here's all these ways that you will be be cursed. All these ways that this relationship is going to be skewed. And at first, you see this list of rights and wrongs, right? But when you dive into it, you realize God is, is saying, Hey, if you want to be in rightness... If you want to, to have this relationship be this thing where we're so unified, well, th- this is what it looks like. But unfortunately, when you don't do that, man, it's, it tears it apart. You see, and, and the idea of, of blessing in the Bible is really about relationship. 
It's not about content. You see, what's, what we find is these things that are held up for us to obtain, not, not to get some, some reward out of it, but for this relationship to be one. Right? And this teaching is all throughout the Old Testament, but it also continues on later. And we see it in, in other documents leading up to Jesus. And so Jesus isn't the first teacher to do this kind of thing. But the problem that happens, and I think the problem that, that maybe even we sometimes have, is that the focus is less on a relationship and this blending of the relationship, but it becomes on what can I get out of it, right? I mean, think about it. When we talk about blessings in our own life, a lot of times it's, I'm going to hold up this, this awesome thing that I already do so that I can say I'm blessed by God, or I can say that I'm blessed in this relationship, or I can say these things, right? Think about it. Think about how you feel blessed in your own life. You know, I, I, when I think about how I'm blessed... A lot of times the things that jump into my mind, well, I'm, I'm pretty successful, right? You know, I, I have a house over my head. I'm working on my retirement plan. I have uh, money in the bank. You know, I'm, I'm working on living a long life. That's, that's all in my plan, right? Uh, I think about even when I look out at our nation, right? When do we say our nation is blessed? Well, when we win our battles, when we're victorious in wars, maybe I look at it and I say, when my political party wins, then we're blessed. If my political party doesn't win, oh, well, you see, what, what begins to happen? It's all about getting my needs met, getting our nation's needs met. Think about this pandemic. If you really think about it, some of the time, man, it's all about as long as the people I know stay healthy, right? The focus seems to always shift inwardly at ourselves. And the way that we view blessings from God is, is on this test of, well, how good is my life going? And that will tell you how blessed I am from God. And a lot of people out there, I shouldn't say a lot, but there's some people out there who will tell you, if you do this, then God's going to give you this. If you, if you live right, then God's going to, to bless you beyond belief. And it's all about the stuff that you get. But here Jesus flips it all upside down. And he says, blessed is the poor in spirit. He says, blessed are those who mourn. He said, blessed are those who aren't important. You see, for Jesus, he talks about it in a way that is so foreign to the way that we talk about it. And it's so fascinating when we begin to see what Jesus is proclaiming here. 
Because think about it. Who are the ones that he's talking to right now? Jump back one chapter, chapter 4. And we find Jesus. He's, he's finding all these disciples. Where is he finding them? He's finding them as fishermen. A job that wasn't really glamorous. He's, he's having the sick pour in to where he is, right? The disease-ridden, the people who are in pain, the demon-possessed, the crazy people, right? People who are having seizures, the paralyzed and deformed. All of these people are flocking to him. And these are the people who are following him. Look at the last words of, of Matthew chapter 4. These are the ones who are following him. The outcast, the rejected. You see, back then, when you had that stuff going on, you didn't get food stamps. There wasn't unemployment that you could collect on. There weren't hospitals that would take you in or homeless shelters or food banks. You were rejected. You were cast out with the trash. You lived in slums and barely made it. Those are the people who are flocking to Jesus and this crowd. Can you imagine that? Looking out at this crowd, standing, sitting on this mountain, looking out at these people. And it's to them that he begins to share this, this message of the kingdom of God breaking in. And who is he sharing it to? He's sharing it to the people who are already there. Right? He's speaking to the poor in spirit. The people who not only are poor economically, but spiritually too. You wouldn't look to these people for, for wisdom or guidance. You know, he's speaking to the people who are mourning day in and day out. Why? Because look at their situations. He's speaking to the people who not only feel unimportant, but are unimportant in that society. They're rejected. They're cast out. He's speaking to the people who look at their lives and are hungry, so hungry, for, for justice to happen. And yet it doesn't come. Those are the people that he's speaking to. And what he begins to say to them is, Hey, you are blessed. Why? Because you are going to be the first to experience this upside-down kingdom of heaven that I am bringing. There's this guy, his name is Stanley Hauerwas, and... And he has this quote about the Sermon on the Mount, and I, I just find it so fascinating. He says this, Too often these characteristics of the blessings have in history been turned into ideals or virtues we have to try to obtain. When we do that, we turn them into formulas that help us gain status and favor with God, which is, of course, the opposite of what Jesus is trying to say. Rather, they are descriptions of the kinds of people that Jesus first brought the kingdom of God. Nowhere does Jesus tell us 
to try to be poor in spirit or mourn all the time or try to get persecuted. He simply announces the great surprise that these people who are not significant or honored in their society are precisely the ones who have received the honor to be first among those called into God's kingdom. Think about that. When Jesus interacts with people, this is at the core of what he's about. He came for the sick, not the healthy. He came for the ones who are, who are rejected and outcast. Why? Because those are the people who are just so hungry for something to happen that they enter into the kingdom with freedom. I mean, think about when he interacts with the rich man. He looks at him and says, that's great that, you, that you're following all these rules, but first you have to give up everything and come and follow me. And the rich man goes away sad. Why? Because... He has a lot to lose. But for these people, they don't have anything to lose, right? And these are the people that he's hanging out with and he's ushering in his kingdom with. You know, as we move through these nine different blessings at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, it works almost like this stained glass window. Each piece adding to the puzzle until you get a picture of something bigger. And what is that picture of? Well, it's of Jesus. And that's what is embodied in these first nine. You see, not only is it speaking to the people who are already there and, and, and God pouring out this, this blessing because they are so... Uh, they're in this position to, to be so ready for what God is going to do, right? Why? Because they have nothing else but that posture, right? Those people who are longing for justice to happen in the world, so much so that it's making them ache and hunger and thirst. You know, and they look out and they don't get distracted by by the things that maybe we often get distracted by, but instead they're grieving over it. They're mourning over it. And they're realizing that as that weight hits them, that they, they have no power to do anything about it. You know, they have this feeling of meekness, of unimportant. Why? Because they look out at what is going on and they say, I can't do anything about it. Why? Because I'm, I'm, I'm just so poor in the, the position that I'm in. And God says, that's exactly the right place to be. In a place where you have to completely depend on God. And so Jesus is speaking this out to people who are already there and says, Hey, it's okay because you are in the perfect position to be first in what my kingdom is going to do and what it's going to be about. And then it launches into this, this second tier 
of things. And it, and it starts talking about those who are merciful, those who have a pure heart, those, those who are peacemakers. And it's these, these aspects about people who often are in those spots, who look out at other people. How many times do you hear of, of people who are in, in awful situations that give their all for those who are there too? Right? Even the a story that Jesus shares later of this interaction that he sees in the temple of, of these high and mighty rich people coming and giving their money. And then this, this widow walks in and gives everything she has, which is so little. And Jesus looks at her and says, that is what it's all about. These people who are in these spots somehow recognize mercy they they understand it because they've received it and they've been giving it out these people who are pure of heart who who realize hey i don't have it together i i'm seeking and and longing to know of the god who does have it together right these these people who are are peacemakers who look at these broken relationships all around and they long to go and try to mend them. Have you ever been in a spot like that? Man, what a hard position to be in, to see two different people fighting against each other and then walking in and and, and trying to mediate between the two. What ends up happening is they both end up hating you, right? But, but willing to... To, to step into those moments and longing to bring peace. But in the midst of that, what do you see? You see a picture of Jesus, right? Somebody who poured out mercy on people. Somebody who had this pureness about him, who longed for peace to be on earth as it is in heaven. And then this final challenge with the last two. To be people who are persecuted. And those people are blessed. Now for us, I think uh, we often don't really get this. You know, we get the insult things uh, of people who uh, maybe insult us for being Christians or whatever it may be. But I don't think we really get the core of the people that Matthew is talking about here, that Jesus is talking about here. You know, the, the, I, I, I think about those brothers and sisters of mine uh, in Christ who are out there today who are actually being persecuted for their faith, for believing in Jesus. Their lives are being threatened and I think about myself, and I think about moments where I'm just worried if somebody's going to make fun of me for being a pastor, so I don't share it, right? The moment I, I say I'm a pastor, then they get all defensive. Oh, well, uh, sorry, I swore earlier, you know, and I'm like, <laughs> that's not what this is about. Like, I was just saying what my profession is, <laughs> right? You know, I, I think we live in this bubble where we don't, we don't face too much persecution, and the people who do face persecution for who they are, man, 
the the battering that they take the the turmoil that they find themselves in and Jesus looks at them and says you are blessed why because you understand that no one should ever be in this place and so you long for others to not be in this place and we find this posture not only of the people Jesus was talking to, but Jesus himself saying this, this is what lends you into my kingdom. This is the posture that moves you into what it looks like to be a part of the kingdom of heaven. And I think the thing that all these little stained glass pieces paint is a picture of Jesus and what it looks like to be a part of his kingdom. And he speaks this out over people who are right there and they get to experience Jesus and what he's all about. And so I think about us today, wherever you're listening from, and I think about this message and maybe you find yourself in these spots. Maybe you find yourself feeling so poor, so rejected, having that that mourning a part of who you are. Maybe you find yourself and you, you don't feel important at all. Maybe because you aren't important in our world. I would say to you this morning, you are blessed. Why? Because you are in this posture that is ready to receive God in a way that is unlike anybody else. And it's there where you're going to see Jesus move in crazy ways in your life. But I also want to speak to those, and maybe even myself, where I find myself with a lot I find myself maybe not so often in these spots. You know, I can take care of myself. I have enough money to buy the food that I need. I have, a, I have all these ducks in a row. I have my life planned out. I have everything figured out. And so when Jesus shows up, I look at him and I say, don't worry, Jesus, I got this one. You see, my posture is often... I can take care of myself. I can take care of my family. But then moments like this lockdown happen and it just tears the veil off of this nice, perfect little life that I've built. And it shows me how deeply broken all of those things are. this message that Jesus starts off with challenges me to really rip those things apart and start to look at this kingdom that I've set up for myself and how upside down it seems when it's set up next to Jesus's kingdom and what Jesus is all about. So what I want us to do 
wherever you're at, I want you to, to read these blessings over the course of this week. And I want you to find, find where you're at. Because if you don't figure out where you're at, if Jesus is speaking right to you here, or if this is more of a challenge because you've been setting up your own kingdom, you've had all these things figured out, the rest of the sermon, uh, the rest of the Sermon on the Mount is either going to rip you apart or it's going to speak life into you. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to push you more and more into God's kingdom. Or you'll be found on the outside saying, I don't want any part of this. I can figure out my own way to live. But I warn you, when you move in that direction, what begins to happen is we set up all of these things and it's like dominoes and one just has to topple over for everything else to topple over. You see, Jesus came to bring about something that meets us in our brokenness and in our, our unimportantness, uh, in our worthlessness. And it's this complete dependence on him and the people who understand that the best are the people who are already there at rock bottom that's when we meet God and his kingdom and that's where we need to be to receive his sermon that he speaks over those people back then and us today. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this opportunity we can even come and begin to, to hear your sermon spoken over us. Lord, would you help us as we come before you, as we read this sermon, as we, as we meditate on it and think about it throughout the week, Lord, speak to where we're at. If we're right there, would you speak blessing over us? But Lord, if, you, if, if we are in these positions where we, we think we have it all together, would you challenge us to realize that until we become completely dependent on you, we're going to be fighting against your kingdom and what you want to do in our lives. Lord, help us this week. Help us as we walk and navigate through every single day and the twists and turns that they may bring. We thank you for all the ways that you pour into us. And may we begin to live in step with you every single day. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thanks, guys. Have a great week.